quick chip update, David? Would you like one of those? Uh, yeah, is it still with you? No, 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 no. It's it's uh, long. It's long gone. But I but I will say this: they don't ever tell you this about eating very hot things. It for a few days, not for a few hours. Don't listen to WebMD. For a few days, my taste buds were completely altered. Really? I all I could taste sweet things very uh, vividly, uh, but I could not yeah. taste bitter. So when I drank a if you if I if I had a soda or a beer. It was. It almost tasted flat. It didn't. It tasted very sweet. They don't tell you that. It burned. It didn't burn them off. I'm no doctor, but it <laughs> numbed them. I think. I think it's the capsaicin that numbs them. Wow. So it heightened your sweet sensitivity. Right. I was basically get- daredevil of sugar. Yes. Right. You had super sweet spidey senses on your tongue, but the bitterness was gone. Wow. That's interesting. Would you take that? I mean, how was it? Did you like it? Did you miss the bitter? Yeah, I miss the bit. I'm a big bitter fan. I'm a big fan of IPAs. Yeah, we know. We know. We know. Okay. We know you're bitter. That's We've right. got. <laughs> we got a great show ahead. Brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're going to talk to Jonathan DeLong of AtTheHive.com on Steve Clifford's defensive scheme, and if yeah. it's getting in the way of Hornets' success. Plus, we're going to recap a game against Miami that did not go the Hornets' way which is how it's been on the road pretty much the entire season. So we'll tackle that as well. Big show. Make sure you're checking us out live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Joining us on the live chat, The Nest, visit our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash LOH for more. Uh, one more thing before we get started. You know you know what's bugging me? You know what's bugging Doug right now? Let's add it to the list. What's up? What's up next? The players that are either making contact with the referees, Sean Livingston got busted for that the other night. Busted. Or players like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and others who are either taking sort of swings towards the referee. Air punches, yeah. Air punches, or or just being aggressive. Like, let's calm. I, I, look, I know the game isn't. There's one thing being intense. You're in the game. but We get it. But, like, the referee should be off limits. Yeah, they're supposed to be. I don't mind. If you take an air punch, right, if, if, if there's a swing coming at you, then that's you, I'm fine with you getting kicked out. Like, the ref has got to say at some point, no, no air punches. No regular punches either, but there's certainly no air punches. All right, let's start the show. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we lie, we lie, we lie. Nobody likes the referees, but we need the referees. Otherwise, we descend into chaos. Are we no better than the beasts? We got to stay away from the referee. I think the NBA is going to crack down on this. I think Adam Silver is going to have something to say about this. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. Make sure you're visiting Gittimer.com for all your sales advice, sales information. If you are in sales and need some help, Gittimer.com is the place for you. I am Doug Branson, joined by my friend from the mean streets of Cotswold, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Do you think it's just like a matter of they want the players just they, they want to display their intensity? Like it's just to show how much how locked in they are. Is, is it like I get the frustration, but but yeah, you got to curb it. You got to take a step back and say, you know, I'm not going to air punch. I'm not going to berate this guy. I mean, I get it. No, no you're right. I no think one these, likes the refs. I don't, want, I don't want to confuse this. No one likes the refs. I think this thing, these things go in cycles, and and you sort oh. of have to you have to lock this down every once in a while and say, hey, the guys with the striped shirts, those guys are off limits. Those guys are yeah. you, you can't you can't go after those guys. It's one you, thing to to go after your opponent after a, after a tough play, a hard foul. It's another thing to go after these officials who are not are not competing. But I think the players see it like that. I think the players see the referees as competing forces. They got to mention blame LeBron. You blame LeBron on this one. I'm blaming anyone who does that. It just yeah. it doesn't help the game. It doesn't make the game look good. It doesn't help the flow of the game and it's causing these players to get ejected. That's not a good thing either for the product. So, it's all about hashtag the product. Hey, uh, speaking of product, we've got some product on tpublic.com, some t-shirts, the Buzz City Frazier shirt, the Buzzamania shirt, uh, modeled by our listener Mike there. So go check those out, tpublic.com, search for Locked On Hornets. There is a link in the description of this episode, and this episode is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the best price on your next framing project. They have six locations here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Make sure you're checking them out, Frame Warehouse. Net. All right, let's begin this show in Miami, where the Hornets and the Heat were meeting, both needing a win to kick losing streaks and prove that they didn't belong in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. The Hornets got off to an amazing start, a 16-1 to run to begin the game. That would soon evaporate, in large part due to Josh Richardson, who began his game 9 of 10 from the field. Hornets down one at the half. This game stayed tight until a 9 to nothing Heat run late in the fourth sealed the deal for Miami. Heat win 105-100. The Hornets dropped to 8-13, and 1-10. and 10. One and ten on the road this season, David. What box score numbers stood out to you that explain another Hornets loss late in the fourth quarter? Another Hornets loss on the road. Oh man, Doug, uh, you you could really pick quite a few. I mean, if you went down this box score, you could pick out just about anything you wanted to point to for frustration. I mean, there's just so much frustration after this game. I think for a lot of people because it was another one of those games. The first one I want to start with, this isn't directly related to this box score, but you mentioned it a little bit. They've led in six of these road games. They've led after the first quarter, right? And they're obviously, they're 0-6 in those games. So it tells me that the starts aren't really the problem, you know, for the most part, the starters. They're getting off to fine starts, whether it's when the bench comes in, there's a massive letdown, or, you know, the rest of the team just not continuing to play throughout these games. Something about these road efforts is not being, you know, followed through on. And that's a major issue. They, obviously, Doug, they cannot go without winning on the road this season. And they got to get some of this stuff fixed. That was a, a key game because you tell me that that crowd in Miami was not there 
to start the game, right? Even though it was an eight o'clock tip, it was not there to start the game. It was not in the game, but, <laughs> but you see this happening. They let these teams hang around and I'm watching that game saying, well, Hey, you know, six, eight point game. It's always within reach. They cannot put any of these teams away. There's a couple of things you can point to. 22 turnovers on the night. That is exceptionally high for a Charlotte Hornets basketball team. And a lot of those early in the game. And, you know, they got off to that 16 to one start, but sort of um, piddled it away. They piddled it away with a 16. I think there was like 16 turnovers in the first half. Uh, Pretty amazing for the Charlotte Hornets. And nine of those coming from Dwight Howard, who did not play in the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But also, only 23-pointers attempted, 35 by the Miami Heat. And uh, yep. that's a that's a big story for the Charlotte Hornets this season as well. Not taking as many three-pointers lately. Uh, that has hurt them offensively. But really, this, ca- this game came down to offensive execution in the fourth quarter. Not able to get it done. Of course, not. They didn't have Kimba Walker there to take late-game yep. shots. Uh, what did Miami, David, do so right in that fourth quarter? And what did the Hornets do wrong? Well, the Hornets had the likes of MKG shooting important jumpers, you know, with under two minutes, which is not good. I mean, that's just not a good scenario. And the Heat, I mentioned this guy in the pregame, Dion Waiters, just when you think he won't hurt you, he comes back and, and kills you. He hit a late three for them late. I mean, they did a good job of keep getting uh, looks, open looks at the three-pointer. And you mentioned those three-point, that three-point disparity, uh, Doug. That was one of my box scores. Now, I intentionally did not send you my box scores that we were going to look at. That backfired on me in this particular scenario <laughs> because you, you just hit on them all. <laughs> you just hit on the other ones that right. I was going to mention. But 5 of 20 for the Hornets and then 14 of 35 for the Heat. It's all I mean, about communication. That's <laughs> It says we don't plan these things out. And Clifford mentioned that. You know, He's like, well, uh, it's going to be hard to win when you don't make – when your opponent makes nine more threes. I, I, I mean, what do you do with that? What do you do with it at this point? They're not shooting the amount of threes. Obviously, that hurts without Kemba. But that's still a game you feel like some of the veteran leaders on this team, and I may be looking directly at Nick Batum, have to kind of step up and take this game from a team that's relatively young and inexperienced um, in Miami or certainly doesn't have like a lead dog. I mean, Dragas didn't have a great night. That's just that's so frustrating to see the Miami Heat take control of that game down the stretch. Michael Carter-Williams, you know, it, it's four of seven difficult. from the field, did get four yeah. free throws. Uh, let's see, four rebounds, six assists, 12 points, a, a moderate night, certainly an improvement over his game in Toronto. They're just asking a lot of them right now. I mean, but they put him in that situation. No Kimba. He's being asked to drive and distribute. And that's what you're seeing in late game situations, especially yeah. in this one. It wasn't good. The, the options were not good. There was waiting way too long to get things going. And that's why you end up seeing MKG hoisting up a couple of jumpers. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams unable to even get off a good look at times. It's, it was frustrating and, and, and tough to watch. Offensive options not good for the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, David, you know where options are always good? Mm. Frame Warehouse. Totally. 
I don't know if you know this, but this is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed, whether it's a holiday gift, a home decoration, or something maybe for your bonus room. Now is the time to get your framing done and get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, or how about a Hornets jersey? I know they're, they're uh, looks like they're releasing these classic jerseys on Monday night, so maybe you want to get one of those up on the wall. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy, and I don't know about you, David, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets told you to drop by and give them a go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Kimba is out. LeBron got kicked out. Wade is old. Pop is a genius. Don't give up on social media, Doug. You just got to be social. Oh, that's real nice. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Yeah, we've got a brand new website, LockedOnHornets.com, in association with FanRag Sports. Go check that out. Uh, let's get back to this game in Miami. I want to go to the fourth quarter where, again, the, the Heat go on a 9-0 run to end this game and, and end the Hornets' shot at winning this game. Miami got most of their points in the final frame in two ways. The first was by forcing switches on their guards with ball screens, and their guards took advantage. Goran Dragic, Josh Richardson, Dion Waiters, those were the players that were performing well offensively for the the Miami Heat on those switches. The MCW-Batum-MKG combo, when you put those side by side, it, on paper, it, it they would struggle to compete with those three guards from the Miami Heat, and it, and it played out in reality as well. They just could not compete, didn't force switches. Miami was able to stay in their defense, and those guys didn't make shots. Batum, 5 of 14 from the field, 13 points. MKG, 5 of 11, not going to get it done in terms of efficiency, especially without Kimball Walker. The second way that Miami was able to take advantage of the Hornets was by penetrating and kicking out, David. It's the lifeblood of Miami's three-point offense. The Hornets did not do a great job of defending it late. In fact, the knockout punch, you mentioned it, was Deion Waiters' late three. Olenek, the ball handler on that play, Drogic screens for Waiters. No communication up top between Jeremy Lamb and Michael Carter-Williams. Waiters gets free towards the basket, but instead of, of, of uh, feeding Waiters, Olenek decides to fake the direct handoff to Goran Drogic and, and then drive. Cody messes up the footwork a little bit, allowing Olenek penetration. Olenek was a little off balance, so it would have been a tough two. But Lamb leaves Waiters in the corner, not good, to attempt a block on Olenek. He kicks out, open three, bang, heat up six with a minute to go. Big moments, little details. Big moments, little details. That's been where the Hornets are losing these close games and, and it's really punishing them, especially on the road. And Dwight Howard not playing at all in the fourth quarter, David. That was a big story. Uh, only 17 minutes in this game. Was that okay with you? 
Not really. I mean, I get it because the Hornets, or the, I'm sorry, the Heat, you know, they had a bit of a smaller lineup, I guess, with Olenek in there. But when you look at this box score, Doug, there were two guys for the Hornets that had a positive plus minus in this game. That's right. Two guys for the whole team throughout the game that had a positive plus minus. One of them did not play in the fourth quarter, and that was Dwight Howard. Nick Batum was the other guy with a positive plus minus. I mean, that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, but I just think right now the Hornets need to win games. And I, to me, I don't know. I mean, maybe your best shot for that is playing your best players in crunch time. I, I get it that maybe he's going to struggle where Cody might be able to stay with Olenek a little better, but I, I don't know. I mean, obviously the offense was hurting. I, I just think that and, – and, and Dwight picked up his fifth foul in that third quarter and never came back in. But that hasn't been a problem for Clifford really in this season up until now. I mean, he's, he's trusted him to stay in there and play with him. Maybe you fear the hack of Dwight strategy coming out a little bit. Hack of Howard. Is it hack of – you go hack of Howard. I guess hack of Howard is – is more pleasing to the ear, right, than Hackett Dwight. Yeah, Hackett Howard. Okay. They, they could have deployed that strategy, I suppose, but without Kimba, you're basically playing without your two best players. Um, and so I, I get it to a certain extent, but I think he deserved to get a look for a few minutes in there just to see what kind of difference he could make. Well, so here's, um, so here's the problem, David. So he had five fouls. And yeah. he was going to, they went small at the end of the game. So he was going to yeah. have to go up against Olenek. And you saw Olenek able to drive on Cody Zeller. He certainly would yeah. have been able to get by Dwight Howard, especially, you know, starting beyond the three point line. That's going to be a sure. struggle for Howard. But the five fouls key because he was going to have to be a little careful. And, or he was going to foul out of the game, and that would have given what little Miami crowd was there, would have given, would, would have continued to give them life. Plus, he had accumulated nine turnovers in this game already. It looked like he Ouch. wasn't. He wasn't really. Fo- oh, no, these were not. These were not sort of normal. Uh, you know, trying to make plays, turnovers. These were throwing elbows. You know, not really, not really focused when he was getting these <laughs> smacking re- people in the head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, these are the kind of things that that I, I don't. Oh, no. I don't think Clifford is apt to really put up with. And, I hear you. I hear you. And, and, and I think just... it cost him an ability. And I think he. I think he knows that like I think Howard knows that and knows that like okay if I'm gonna have five fouls and nine turnovers it's one thing not to play me in the fourth quarter when you know I've got 10 rebounds I've been focused I don't have all these fouls I don't have all these turnovers but uh, hopefully he, he would understand boards, right he did situation. have nine boards he was one one away from another double double I mean the, the fouling out thing is is a little you know, doesn't really matter to me because he had five fouls. If he's going to foul, he's going to foul out. If he's not going to play, like, what's the difference? Well, there's, so. you know, there's been a few articles, David, written on Dwight Howard's resurgence in Charlotte. And while he's definitely made some highlight plays, when you dig a little deeper into the numbers, we might be getting ahead of ourselves slightly. Might be, you know, a, a case of relativism where relatively he's making an impact in Charlotte where he didn't make as big of an impact uh, relative in in Atlanta, right. but his PER is the lowest since it's been in his rookie season. True shooting, the lowest since his sophomore season. His turnover percentage, the highest since his third season in the league. Uh, this is not what I think Howard meant by recapturing his days in Orlando. His steal and block percentage also down from last season in Atlanta. This all despite his usage percentage bumping up from 19.2 last season to 25.6. So he's getting the ball a lot more, just not able to convert, especially um, off the post up in the paint. Uh, the yeah. high, the it's, that usage it's not is, ideal. Yeah, 
sorry, it's not ideal, Doug. Um, you know, and Howard, it's not like you're you're putting back in LeBron James, right? Like I, I, I totally get that. It's just this team is searching for something right now. And to me, it would have I don't know, maybe it would have made sense to to give him a look, maybe at the start of the fourth there and see how he handled things. Um, you know, it's who knows? Maybe it doesn't make a difference, maybe it makes things worse. But I think you gotta give your best guys a shot uh when you need a win and they need all these wins. Well, I mean, I think he took himself out of this game and then you give Nick Batum a shot as well and in that fourth quarter and played with the bench in the fourth quarter, which, I th- yeah. which I've been calling for, I think is going to be important for the Hornets' success in the long term. But he has just been terrible uh, offensively. Uh, two of eight from three in this one, 35 minutes. Fourth on the team right now in usage, eighth in points per shot attempts, according to Cleaning the Glass. That puts him only above Malik Monk, Michael Carter-Williams, and Dwayne Bacon. That's just not going to cut it offensively, especially when Kemba's out. Yep. I mean, these are moments when Nick Batum has to step up and and justify um, that that contract that they gave him and, and be, oh you know, an, no, I'm serious. It'd be, be an uh-huh. offensive uh-huh. leader. These were moments. I'm not saying this in an overall kind of way. I'm saying early on, he has struggled offensively, and that has to change. Otherwise, that's going to be the narrative. We're building towards justifying the narrative that you and I have been saying. No, no, no. This is he's a role. He, you know, he's a he's an extremely, extremely good, smart role player that's going to have an impact offensively when he needs to. And so far, that hasn't happened. No, it hasn't. It's it's pretty frustrating to watch, and I get the frustration from fans out there looking at that salary too. A lot of that was situational, um, and we don't need to dive into that today. But the fact of the matter is, he is being paid uh, in a fashion to have much more of an impact. And quite honestly, they brought him in not to be the third option, not to be the fourth option, which at times he's being. I mean, he was brought in to be the running mate with Kemba, um, and he was signed up here to do that. And that was this was all before Dwight came in, of course. But he needs to be that guy for this team to have success and I just don't know uh where how this plays out going forward but man he's got to step it up and he's got to play better than he has been because you know what else do they have (laughs) I mean he he provides them so much but if he's not making an impact it's doubly uh, negative this is locked on hornets and would, what, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Shards? No, I would not. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining us now, Jonathan DeLong, a writer for AtTheHive.com. His latest article is turning a strength into a weakness, how a staple of the Hornets' defensive identity has backfired on them in recent seasons. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I don't think I've ever gotten an introduction like that before. It was kind of cool. That's good. Well, you're so you're a new writer on AtTheHive.com, right? I've written two like research pieces and like one game preview and recap or something. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty green. Well, this was a fantastic uh, beginning to your At The Hive career. Uh, let's let's jump into this article, Jonathan. Very interesting stuff. The Hornets have a coach in Steve Clifford that 
demands defense. They have a wing defender in Michael Kidd Gilchrist that has an ability to guard the opposing team's best offensive weapon night in and night out. They have Marvin Williams, who is as smart as it comes at team defense. And they added Dwight Howard in the offseason, who's healthier than he's been in years and was supposed to help anchor the team in terms of their rim protection. Yet the Hornets' defense hasn't improved quite to the level that Steve Clifford expected it to so far early in this season. What's going on? Well, it honestly, it hasn't improved at all. Honestly, it's actually gotten a little bit worse. Um, and it's basically not a personnel problem, it seems, because it's the same problem that plagued the team last year. And it's a problem that is consistent no matter who's on the court. Like, it's not like there are defensive liabilities on the court causing problems. It's just a it's a fundamental scheme thing, I think. Now go, go, go further into that. What, what scheme issues do you think the Hornets have that, uh, that, that may be plaguing them? Steve Clifford has his kind of his pillars of what he expects his team to do because that's his winning formula in his mind. And the Hornets are always really, really good at executing those, those tenets of his principles. Like he says, you know, no offensive rebounds allowed, always the league's best defensive rebounding team. He says, don't foul, always the best team in the league about uh, preventing opponent free throw attempts. Um, he says, take care of the ball. We've been historically good at take care of the ball. The other one is to keep teams out of the paint. And that sounds good, but in the way the NBA is played in 2017, it doesn't really work that way anymore. Only three teams have fewer shots attempted at, attempted against them within five feet of the basket. The problem with that is instead of settling for mid-range jump shots and contested twos like teams did in the past, they now just camp out behind the three-point line and shoot threes. And threes have become the most efficient shot in basketball at this point because teams have gotten so adept at making them. So we've basically traded off contesting the perimeter to keep teams out of the paint, and it's backfiring because teams are making their threes and just beating the Hornets. It's been two years running now. So teams are still shooting the same, if not more, threes against the Hornets on a given night, but... Uh, this season, the percentages have gone down. The Hornets are top 10 in both three-point field goal percentage allowed and overall field goal percentage. So what what accounts for that discrepancy in your mind between their defensive rating and their ability to hold teams to a lower percentage in terms of field goals both beyond the arc and uh, below it as well? The issue is that the volume of threes getting attempted against the Hornets. Mm-hmm. So 32% of shots attempted against the Hornets are threes. I don't know where that ranks against the league. That's not like readily available. I came up with that myself. Um, and so when teams are shooting that many threes, they don't have to shoot a particularly high percentage to match like your expected output of regular two-point attempts. So if your teams are shooting, I think it was like 32 threes a game against the Hornets, if they're making 35%, that's over a point per possession, which is – pretty decently efficient offense and that number probably will go up because the Hornets are getting kind of lucky and that teams are missing open shots. So what's the answer then Jonathan should the Hornets abandon any notion of guarding easy layups in favor of an all-out assault at the three-point line? And not abandon it but they need to trust Cody Zeller, Dwight Howard and Michael K. Gilchrist to protect the rim on their own and part of that is not collapsing in the paint if somebody gets by their man and the other part of that is switching on pick and rolls because pick and rolls are getting the horns in a lot of disadvantageous situations because there has to be so much help on the backside to prevent easy layups and that's getting people out of position and it's just a couple swing passes for teams to get open threes 
And the other thing is we just don't need guys like Kimball Walker, Jeremy Lamb, and them crashing in to help stop layups if Dwight Howard and Cody Zeller are there. Cody Zeller is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Dwight Howard is above average, and Michael K. Gilchrist is elite at protecting the rim. The shift needs to be perimeter players stay on the guys on the outside. Let the big guys take care of the inside shots, like contesting layups. Interesting stuff from Jonathan DeLong. His latest article for AtTheHive.com is called Turning a Strength into a Weakness, How a Staple of the Hornets' Defensive Identity Has Backfired on Them in Recent Seasons. Go visit AtTheHive.com to check out those charts and graphs that Jonathan put together. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Lots of pretty pictures. So if you like pictures, it's a great read. All right. What do you think about that, David? Love pictures, Doug. I love pictures. <laughs> Let me just comment on on the on the on the uh, the title picture there. Oh, it's it's Clifford. It, it, yeah, it's Clifford with his hands like rubbing his you know his forehead as far as it'll go. It's a perfect uh, picture for this. So kudos to the guys at the Hive uh, for putting that on there. Man, what do you think, Doug? Because obviously these numbers, the numbers don't lie. I've, I've, that's something I decided a long time ago, <laughs> and I stuck with that. Um, no! But, but you and I watch these games and we still see not to single anyone out, but Jeremy Lamb uh, give up drives to the basket with not much resistance. I mean, that's still happening on a individual level. It's going to happen here and there. So yeah, it's, it's not totally a personnel issue, but I do think there are certainly strides to be made from particular wing defenders, um, not named Michael K. Gilchrist, you know, in crunch time situations particularly. You won't hear many Hornets talking about the the problems with the offensive or defensive scheme. And while that's not always an indicator of problems with said offensive and defensive scheme, it can be, you know, <laughs> a surefire indicator if, if there are problems with that. I think that Jonathan's piece was well-researched and well-thought-out, but I'm not ready to call the Clifford defensive scheme a fossil that we should throw out just yet. I think the Hornets have seen a significant drop in opponent three-point field goal percentage, unlike the Knicks, who are giving up a lot of made three-pointers. The Hornets are just giving up a ton of three-point attempts, and as you heard Jonathan say there, though, the question is volume. That, that was the, yeah. that was the issue with uh, the Miami Heat game. Yeah, they, they attempted 35. They made 14. The Hornets attempted 20, only made five. Right. Um, but the, 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 the place that the Hornets are really getting killed is, is their soft middle. I'm talking about the area four feet from the basket, right outside the restricted area, to the free throw line. So we're talking about runners, long putbacks, driving pull-ups, step backs by guards off of switches. Goran Dragic had two or three of those uh, on Friday. The Heat were 8 of 12 on those types of shots. That's where they're getting killed. If they eliminate that, then then they would be alive. And that's that's all penetration. That's all mano y mano, making sure that you're with your man. So I I think that's more of an issue at this point because I think, honestly, they've been switching a lot more. They don't, to me, the defense looks a little different than it did last season. I think they are allowing... Uh, Dwight Howard, when he's not pulled out by you know one of these stretch bigs, they are allowing him to you know single cover the rim. It's just they're getting blown by too often, and mm-hmm. that's causing ripple effects that that have really killed them. I think honestly, the problem has been consistency in defensive intensity and organization night to night. And I feel as if 
Dwight Howard has been a lot more effective at home underneath the rim than he has been on the road. And those two things combined, I think, have really uh, been what's wrong with the defense. I'm just not ready to say that that the way Clifford schemes out his defense is is wrong or, or can't win because we saw it win two seasons ago. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting to look at it because it's certainly a philosophy. And he does mention in there how successful Clifford is at implementing like the keys to his defense. I mean, he talked about the turnovers are down and, and the rebounding. So, I mean, those things are working. I think when you don't have anything, the results aren't there. You're not getting the wins. Nothing is successful. You, you do have to take a look at, at everything. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's valid. And I'll, and I'll say it. this, two of the best defensive teams in the league right now, Boston and Portland, both make it a point to be aggressive at the three-point line. And, yeah. and they give up a little bit at the rim to do that. So I, I think there's some I think there's some validity. There's a lot of validity, I think, to what yeah, Jonathan yeah. wrote there on atthehive.com, but I think it's not the sole problem with well, with this defense right now. Yeah. The biggest thing to me is that three point the amount of three pointers they're giving up. I mean, as he mm-hmm. mentioned and as you just hit on too, that's been a problem. That was a problem, big problem last year. So lost them a ton of games, and it's continued into this season. We thought it would, and be maybe better, there's though. an adjustment by the personnel. You know, try you know let Lamb <sighs> yeah. not diving down and, and guarding yeah. waiters at the three point line in the quarter. Maybe that was you know is that a mistake or is that schematic? It's tough to tell because we're it's not at practice say. every day. But certainly some things are going to have to change. Got to talk about this game tonight, David, against the Orlando Magic. Uh, big game for the Hornets. The start of a four game homestand. Uh, that I think they have to pick up three or four at this point to kind of get things back on track. You can give up the game against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they yes. thrashed uh, the Miami Heat last night. So that's a preview of, of possibly what could happen to the Hornets uh, on Wednesday. But National TV, National TV game. Yeah, well, but they've got games <laughs> against Chicago and L.A. after that. So a chance for the Hornets to get things back on track here. Uh, you know, the Magic began this season as one of the surprises of the Eastern Conference. They began 6-2. and two. Since then, they've gone 3-12. and 12. The big news for the Hornets is they'll most likely be getting Kimba Walker back. Walker participated fully at practice on Saturday. He's listed as probable. Whether you think these past two losses have been 100% because Kimba has been out, 50%, maybe not at all, it's going to be an additional boost to have him back in, David. Of course, man. This is he's the leader of the team, obviously. And Orlando is not a great defensive team. I mean, they give up about 112, 111 points per game to the opponents. So that hasn't been a particular area of struggle for the Hornets anyway. So they should be able to get their points up. They're just going to need to lock in. I mean, Vucevic last night went for 34 against the Knicks. Um, that's a bit concerning. I think anytime, I mean, he's the guy we focus in on anytime the, the, the Magic come to town. And so the interior guys of the Hornets are really going to have to be playing. I think, you know, you're going to ask a lot from Dwight and who and, and, and Cody as well, I think. He's the guy that kind of scares me going into this game tonight. Yeah, how committed will Dwight be to guarding that Vucevic mid-range shot? Uh, yeah. I think will be a big, a big key in this game. Uh, also, Alfred Payton has been maybe fairly or unfairly sort of the the variable when it comes to they were 6 and 2 at the beginning of the season and then 3 and 12 since and Alfred Payton's return to the lineup sort of fell right in the middle there and you know listen he's not a pick and roll defensive whiz kid so i think you can expect big things tonight from Kimba Walker if he does return he's had several 40 point games against the magic 
So this could be another big night taking advantage of Alfred Payton. And it's been the difference, I think, of Payton's defense and a few other things as well, the difference for the Magic because they have been giving up a ton of three-pointers since that losing streak began or that 3 of 12 streak began. Uh, So, you know, you said it defensively. They really struggle. If there's one night for the Hornets to get their groove back offensively and defensively, it's it's got to be be. this game. Yeah, and they've given up 120 points or more in three of their last five games. They've given up 130 twice. Now, one of those was to the Warriors, but they let the the 76 er score 130 on them, and they let the Pacers score 121 on them. So, uh, yeah, at home against a team like this, the Hornets – you know, again, the, the starts haven't been an issue, uh, but this one has got to be a back-against-the-wall type of game that they've got to come out. It would be nice to see them get a lead, hold on to it. I mean, runs are going to happen, but it would be nice to see them put a team away. That's something they have not done at all this year. They rely a lot on their starters, so if the Hornets can get production out of their bench players, if Frank Kaminsky can have a good shooting night, if Jeremy Lamb can continue his streak of good offensive games, then the Hornets again have a shot at, at being a little fresher later in the game and maybe you know if it's tight going into that third quarter, we'll have an opportunity to pull ahead of the Magic late. They're going to be without Terrence Ross, their starting shooting guard for a while. Aaron Aflalo will get more minutes. He hasn't really found a rhythm offensively yet the Hornets will have to make sure he does not suddenly discover one that most likely will fall uh, to Nick Batum who uh, got criticized I think outside of that Miami game after that Miami game for his defensive uh, efforts and and defensive organization so uh, he'll have to have a a bounce back game both offensively and defensively David real quick what else are you watching for tonight before we head out well of course we'd be remiss we didn't mention the DJ Augustine slash Bismack Biombo. Revenge game. Watch out for those two guys tonight, Doug. Absolutely. And I seriously (laughs) watch them. (laughs) Watch them. Seriously, watch them, guys. I'd love to see some more touches for my man Marvin Williams. He's the most efficient offensive player the Hornets have this season. His points per shot attempt are above even Kimba Walker's. But he's one of the least used players on the Charlotte Hornets. His usage percentage near the bottom of the of the rack, you know, and, and maybe one could say maybe that's correlated, that less shots for Marvin Williams means more efficiency. And certainly they've been putting him, uh, uh, you know, in the three point uh, above the three point line, putting him in situations where he can knock down corner threes. And he's been successful at that. But not a lot of the offense is running through him. But late in games, listen, if if Nick Batum's going to struggle to shoot, if Jeremy Lamb's going to take odd shots, if. You know, if Kimball Walker's having an off night, then maybe, then maybe try, then That's maybe a great way to put it. Then odd shots. Cut down on those odd shots. Hashtag guys. odd shots. <laughs> but maybe it's time to tr- run a few plays for Marvin Williams at the end of games, and and maybe play him because he hasn't played it at, at the end of some of these games. They've gone to Frank nah. Kaminsky in a few of these situations. So listen, I, I I think you gotta you gotta give it a shot. Give anything a shot at this point when you're when your back's against the wall. Uh, so that's my oh. final thought on that game. Yeah, maybe we'll come up with a few things they could try at this point to just throw against the ball because, like we mentioned last week, and you just said they got to try anything in their repertoire right now to mix things up and try to find something that works and uh, try and get out of this funk. But yeah, and I think with Kimba back, you'll see a few more touches for for Marvin as well. Hopefully, I mean those two guys obviously used to playing together, and uh, Michael Carter Williams just struggling to keep everybody everything together in his time as the starting point guard. So with Kimba back. Maybe Marvin will get a few more looks. 
Yeah, Mark here on the chat saying, aren't the stats showing that Marvin is shooting better this year, feeding the ball? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, his his percentages, his efficiency, uh, some of the highest numbers in his career. Uh, so maybe just a few more looks for Marvin could be a key to getting this victory over uh, Aaron Gordon and the Orlando Magic. Tips after 7 o'clock. And again, those classic jerseys, or at least a few of them, it seemed like Pete Gwelly was saying that uh, the Kimba and the Nick Batum jersey would be available, uh, if not more. So make sure if you're uh, out in Charlotte tonight, you are in the Spectrum Center cheering on the Hornets and buying uh, those classic jerseys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Check out tpublic.com for uh, some awesome t-shirts and mugs and different merch. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com and visit LockedOnHornets.com. Brand new website. Looks great. Uh, Nick Denning, our friend and contributor to the show, will be keeping you updated on news and analysis for the Charlotte Hornets on that website. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the magic. Let's swarm. Charlotte.